welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. Have you ever thought about how your lifestyle reflects your values? Today, in part two of last week's message, Francis and Lisa Chan share what the scriptures teach on marriage and purity, stressing the importance of living a life that honors God. They also remind us of the power of repentance, the promise of forgiveness, and a fresh start. First Corinthians 6, he says, Food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. He explains that every other sin you commit is outside of your body. Okay, so I get it. Yes, the Bible teaches if you're guilty of one sin, you are guilty of all of them. That is biblical. But it is also biblical what he says here that the other sins you commit are outside of your body and there is something different about having sex outside of marriage. He says, because you're sinning against your own body and, and it's a very graphic picture. He goes, don't you know, like Ephesians 5, one of the beautiful things is he says that I am a member of the body of Christ. See, we say that like no big deal. Yeah, I'm a member of the body of Christ. Think about what that means. He says he nourishes and cherishes it just like you would a part of your body. Like right now I have this pain in my bicep. I can't, I can't lift things because I have like this torn something. I, I don't understand the body, but I, you know, but my whole body's like, oh, it's really bothering me. Like I, I can't lift things with my left arm. And, it's, and so I, I care for it, I rub it. I try, it's a part, it's attached. And the Bible says that I am attached to Christ? Are you kidding me right now? The God of the universe, that he looks at me like I look at my own arm. And he says, Francis, you're a member of me. And that's why Paul says in Corinthians, he goes, so I'm gonna take a member of Christ? So you being attached to Jesus, you dare sleep with someone who is not your spouse? Are you crazy? He says you're attached to Jesus. 
That means when you go into the bed with that whore, you are bringing Jesus with you. He says you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now you're forcing Jesus into a union that he wants no part of. It's, this pic- it's a really ugly picture of your, you're in a sense raping God. You're forcing him into a sexual relationship he wants nothing, no part of. I know the world says, oh, you're in love, it's so beautiful. No, God is disgusted by it. And he says, you're gonna take me and force me into a union with this man or this woman that I want nothing of? He goes, that's disgusting. How dare you do that to me? And then you're gonna walk into a church gathering and sing to him? Okay. That is just disgusting. And if that is you, man, don't come back. Not till you repent. Turn away from that. Gosh, it, it, it hurts the church. But man, I hope some of you guys go, wow, you're really strong on this. Because the Lord is very strong on it. This is so sickening to him. I mean, you've got to understand, too, for some of you guys, like, if you dare take one of his daughters, okay, and you sleep with one of God, okay, I have five daughters. I have five daughters. Would any of you think to sleep with one of my daughters outside of marriage and then come to my house and try to be my buddy? Are you kidding me? You slept with one of my daughters. Are you kidding me right now? You dare sleep with one of my girls and think that we'll just be friends. That's me as a human being. I would tear you up. And so imagine God who, holy, 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 holy God, who loves his daughters even more than that, and you are gonna defile one of them and then pray to him? You're insane. That is so evil, so wicked. And I will say though, there's forgiveness for that, okay? But you need to repent. You need to walk away from that. You need to confess that the Lord, the crazy thing is the Lord will forgive you probably better than I would, okay? But he will also punish a lot worse than I would. And I'm just telling you, please, for your sake and for the sake of his church and for his bride, I'm tired of hearing about people in ministry and people in these churches that are living the same way that they do out in the world. It's ugly. It's ugly. Some of the decisions we made early on. I was a virgin when I got married. 
at 26. Because I became a Christian pretty early on in my teen years and realized, man, and I'm not saying I was perfect in any way. Man, I was like every other guy, the temptation, everything else. But at least kept that part for marriage. Lisa, same thing. Maintained herself, kept herself. We made, a we made decisions early on out of our walk with the Lord so that when I put that ring on her finger, she could know that, look, I saved myself for you. And so that's why when I'm gone traveling or whatever, she knows she can trust me because you know what? I showed her that. And even when we were engaged and all the passion there and everything else, it's like, no, I'm going to show self-control, you know? And because I want her to know that I'm a man of self-control. And you can trust me when I put that ring on your finger and I say there will be no other. I meant that. And the same vice versa. These are the decisions you make at a young age. And they continue on. And that's why you can say when you're 50 years old, man, this has been good. And you can say after 25 years of marriage, this is insanely good. Everything has been so good, you know? <clears throat> but it's decisions you make today. And it's true, I understand, in a group this size, many of you have already made those mistakes. But I'm telling you, there's forgiveness. And not only that, but there's redemption. Because maybe, you, maybe you're single here, and you've already committed this, this disgusting act with someone else. And, but maybe you hear this message and you realize how disgusting it is in God's eyes and you actually repent. What a beautiful thing to be able to say on your wedding day to your spouse, look, I heard this message and I heard the word of God and I was so convicted about my life that I turned it around and I kept myself pure from this day on. And to be able to give that gift and to show that that's really the Holy Spirit in your life, changing the way you think and changing the way that you lived. And uh, I, I, I hope that's true. I hope that will happen to some of you today. But I had to throw that out there because I was just stirring in me that I'm just going, you know what? We can talk about this relationship with God and everything else, but let's just, let's just cut to the chase. Um, you can't have a relationship with him and continue in that type of immorality, just like you cannot rape one of my daughters and expect to have a relationship with me. It's just not going to happen. You've got to pick, you've got to choose. Yeah, the verse that comes to mind is, set your mind on things above, not on things of this world. And husbands, if you're listening, do you want to know the most wonderful thing you can do for your wife? It's to set your mind on things above. And to set the tone of your home on things above, not the things of this world. I tell Francis very regularly <laughs> that that is the thing I am most grateful for that he is a man who has led me and our children towards the, th the things above, 
you know, where is your treasure? Is your treasure here? Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. So if your treasure is here on earth, if this is what you're living for, then by all means, you're going to do what thou wilt. You're just going to do what you want. And there's going to be a lot of pain and sin and ugliness that comes from that. But if you set your mind on things above, and you store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy it or touch it or take it away. There's so many times when Francis will sit the kids and I down and he'll say, this is the decision that we're making because we're not ever going to regret this in light of eternity, in light of what's coming. We're not going to live for this world. And he just sets that tone over and over and over again. So I just want to say to you husbands, step it up and set the standard in your home and say, we've got to remember why we're here and who we are here for. It's the whole heart behind why we wrote the book even. It's like we've got to get people thinking, you know what, marriage, nothing is for you. It's not about you. Do you need to hear that all the time? Because I do. I think about myself way too much. And I'm just willing to bet that you're probably just like me. You think of you more often than anyone else. What do I want? What do I need? What do I want to get? Where do I want to go? It's always me, me, me. So even in marriage, even in singleness with deciding, well, I want this and I want that. God, what do you want? God, do you want me to be single? Well, then uh, the verse that came to me, very, the first one for you guys last night was Colossians 3, verse 17. And it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a weird verse, Lord, but not really. <laughs> Whatever you do. You mean even marriage? Mm -hmm. Have you guys, when is the last time you considered, you know what, this marriage, I'm doing this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And a little bit further down in, in verse 23, it rewords it a little bit. It says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Here he's talking about your work because he literally was talking about slaves in verse 22. Obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord. Like he's just bringing it down into every part of your life. You could go to your job and you've got the worst boss ever and you hate your job, but you choose to do it as unto the Lord because that's what we're called to as believers. It doesn't matter what earthly things you see or are involved in. Your circumstances are not what define you. You do your work as unto the Lord because you fear God. And in the same way in marriage, it's like we just need a, a new perspective. We just need a mind shift. 
Like this marriage, I'm so about myself in this marriage. All I'm thinking about is what I need and what I want and what I wish he or she was like or what he or she would do for me. And you're not thinking this marriage is for Christ. I want to work in my marriage as unto the Lord. And that changes your whole motivation. You guys, Francis will not always motivate me to do what is right. Sometimes he does because he's a pretty good husband. But what about when you have a husband who's not so great? Do you get like the get out of jail free card that you don't have to be a loving wife or a loving husband? Man, God calls us to something deeper and greater as believers. No, do everything as unto the Lord. So the first thing you have to do in your marriage is remember that it is not about you. It is about Christ and it is for Christ. And if you look in Colossians 3, starting in verse 12, it just gives this beautiful passage that I think you can just so take to heart as a preaching for all of us, but especially for marrieds. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, see, it starts with your identity always. You are someone who has been chosen of God, and you are holy and beloved. That, remember, your source, your cup. You're already holy and beloved, and you are a child of God. Then he goes to what you do. Then out of that, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. When is the last time it was in your heart to say when someone offended you, God, give me the grace to forgive them as you have forgiven me? That's the most amazing forgiveness of all because we deserve none of his forgiveness. He's perfectly holy and he has never offended us. And we offend him over and over again. And his forgiveness is there and it's real. And he says, forgive as I have forgiven you. That is a word for you guys to take to heart because there is another passage in scripture that says, if you do not forgive, I will not forgive you. God is very serious about this. And listen, if you are going to enter into a marriage relationship, you will need to forgive. You cannot be in a relationship with any other person for any length of time and not need forgiveness. Can I hear anyone say amen? I don't care if it's your child, your sister, your mother, your brother. Man, we offend one another. We are sinful people. And we just want to be this fountain of forgiveness and grace to offer to people, I forgive you. Yes, I will forgive you. And to pray and ask God for the ability to forgive when we don't feel it. But man, if you could just take this test, 
Maybe on your own, you can ask yourself, you can ask your spouse. Here's where I rate myself in putting on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and that forbearing spirit, forgiveness. Man, where are you at with that? that we could just sit for a good hour and, and deal with some things with the Lord, right? And maybe it's time to have that conversation. There are times in our relationship, not, I don't know, maybe every couple years or during an anniversary, we'll sit and say, hey, if there's one thing I could do differently or better, like how can I be a better wife? Or what do you see that I need to work on? And man, that just like builds humility into your life. Because guess what? I don't ever want to hear what I'm doing wrong or what I need to work on. <laughs> but if I'm asking for it in humility and I'm saying, hey, can you tell me where, where do I need to work? What am I doing? Have I offended you in any way? And build that heart of compassion and kindness and gentleness, humility, which is so precious to God and is so necessary for any relationship that we are in. <laughs> when she was talking, uh, we're hitting a lot of really heavy things. And it's kind of like when we were writing the book, how I was like, wow, this sounds really heavy. And there's this other side too of just the Lord says how he gave us everything to enjoy. And I don't want you guys to walk away thinking, gosh, Francis and Lisa, they probably just at home preaching to each other all day. <laughs> because we're just like, yeah, and this. And, and if you're sleeping with someone, you're going to hell. You know, like, it, it's, it's, it's like so much of our marriage is just laughter you know, with the kids and enjoying each other because it is such a beautiful, beautiful thing that God created. And even, yeah, I, I wanna apologize, even like a lot of times in the church when we come to the area of uh, sexual immorality, like we talk about that and, and yet it's almost like we can look at that as a negative thing, um, sex itself. And we forget, like, there's so many things that are distorted in our, in our world that Satan is almost taking the glory, you know, trying to take that glory away from God when God created something so beautiful in marriage. And that's what we want for you is, like, there can be so much joy, but it, it comes with repentance. And even, you know, let's just be honest, like, like, like sex is awesome. You know, like it's just, it's not like that was from Satan. It's not like God created Adam and Eve and then he was like, hey, what are you doing? Get off her. You know, no, it's, this was his creation. You know, it was amazing. You know, he says, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, it all for the glory of God. We have a God who's so creative, so beautiful, so amazing. I mean, we were talking about eating earlier. Isn't eating just the best? You know, like that taste in your mouth. I mean, God could have created it in such a way that we're like the plants and we just suck dirt into our feet and like, hmm. Oh, I've got energy now. Mm. But instead, 
in his glory, he goes, no, I'm gonna make food and you're gonna taste it and you're gonna love it. And it's in the same way, you know, he could have said, well, we need to procreate so I'll have you touch her forehead and she'll become pregnant, you know. But no, he's like, no, I got a better one, okay. And it's that whole idea of him, you just go, God, that's amazing, this is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so in the same way with, with marriage, let's not let the enemy like steal this thing. You have so many young people that are dreading and terrified of, oh, I don't know if I wanna get married because you know, I know this person's relationship and that person's relationship and this and this and this. And in reality, this is God's creation. It's beautiful, it's sacred, and when you pursue things his way, it can be so amazing. Um, I can honestly tell you young people, man, 25 years later, like, I desire my wife as much as I did in day one, and probably more so. Yeah, probably more so. I know it's kind of weird to talk about here, but I I go, you know what? That's the way the Lord designed it. It can be this beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, and let's not let the enemy rob us of these wonderful families and marriages and pleasure that we can find in one another. The way I met Lisa was I was working at a church, and she came because she was a singer. She still is a singer. You don't really lose your voice. Um, but uh, she uh, came as a guest soloist. And so I had heard about her, and she was, um, she was kind of a big deal back then. I mean, she still is now, but I mean, <laughs> like, she was, uh, she was uh, the former Miss Teen California, you know, I know, I know. And, uh, and she was like this recording artist and everything else, and, Meanwhile, I'm like this pastor that's losing his hair, you know, and I just thought, this girl is definitely out of my league, but it was one of those like desperate, I'm just going to try, I'm going to go for it, you know, I, I just, losing my hair was traumatic. It was like, oh man, I better hurry and find someone. And, uh, my my and, mom did say, you know he's going to lose his hair, don't you? I was like, Mom, you're so shallow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she wasn't thrilled with me. But um, so that's how we met is that she was singing, and uh, I just was blown away by her voice and her beauty. And then, uh, you know, yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you want to know one of the most romantic things that he did that was also very spiritual? <laughs> but it was right before we got married. Um, he gave me a gift, and it was a Bible, and it had my new name on it yet, or my new name, even though we weren't married yet, so it said Lisa Chan, and then he inscribed on the front, you know, just a beautiful letter, like, this is, this is what I want our marriage to be founded on. It's all about Christ, and it was just a beautiful letter. Isn't that so sweet? That was such a good gift. Since you're romantic, I'll tell you that story. Um, I, 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 that was a great question, too, about key, purity. And um, I want to address purity in marriage. Um, we've been married for 25 years. I have never even been in a car 
alone with another woman. I've never been in a room alone with another woman. Like, I just, standards where I don't even allow myself to get into trouble. Um, there's just no opportunity for that. And I think those are some of the decisions you have to make early on because you go, look, I, I just, we're all tempted in so many ways. And so even when we, were, when, when we were dating, you know, often it was like, hey, let's just go in groups, let's be with other people, let's never be, a, I, I remember uh, I used to have an apartment and, um, with, with three other guys and we were all single and we just had that open door policy like you never bring a girl into the room alone and you know, or you know, if you have the door open, we're free to walk in at any time, you know. And so, and we would just to check on each other, you know, we'd trip and pretend we fall in the room. Oh, hey, hey, sorry. Um, it was just like, but all of these standards, even when I was single, um, the temptation, even like pornography or whatever else, and there was just that struggle of lust. And I remember even just because I was so convicted before the God of, of wanting to keep this temple pure, I told the Lord, okay, if, if I struggle with lust one day, then I won't eat the next day. Um, and I'll spend the whole day fasting, you know? And just so that all day long I could remember like the sin of the day before and ask God to cleanse me of that. And um, I lost about 15 pounds that way too. No, but it was, uh, it, it was just, the Bible talks about like disciplining yourself, you know, for the sake of godliness. And so sometimes we set up these standards in our lives so that it's like, because I want to stay pure in, in your, your eyes. I was just thinking our older girls um, have also brought us in on this whole process. Um, you know, like asking me, mom, I need you. I need to know that you're going to ask me what we were doing and what our time was like alone because their desire is also for, for purity. Our oldest is married, but um, one of our other daughters is dating a guy very seriously and they're, you know, thinking marriage. And so, of course, the passion is there. And even this last trip, she just said, mom, I just want to remind you that you need to be asking me and, you know, that, that really helps me. And so I'm thinking, wow, that is such a blessing to have your children just say, I want to ask you to speak into my life here and it will help me if I know that you're going to ask. And I'm like, girl, I will be asking. Um, so yeah, just so sweet to try to go through that journey with them, knowing that the struggle is wow. real and that they invite me into it is really precious, and I can pray for them and be talking to them about it, and it's so good. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't even know that. You didn't? That's pretty cool. She doesn't do that with me. <laughs> I, could, I could see that. That'd be weird with Dad. Um, but, uh, yeah, because then I would want to beat him up. <laughs> Okay, uh, what was the third But question? they also make really practical decisions. They're like, we, yeah. have to, we just have to spend a lot of time with other people because if we're alone too much, it's, I mean, it's very obvious, obviously. That's the most uh, significant thing that I would say that they both chose to do was be with other people 
just knowing that it is so hard the more time you spend alone. Yeah, you know, also one of our daughters, a different one, um, she was saying the other day, gosh, my friend is so like boy crazy, like it's all she can talk about is boys and she gets all the affection and everything else. And, and I was like, well, honey, you know, <clears throat> I go, I'm very affectionate with you, you know, maybe too much, you know, <laughs> like you're just like, okay, dad, enough, enough. I go, um, but not everyone has a dad that loves them like this. And so let's be careful, you know, with other people that sometimes they're more that way because there's difficulties in the home and, uh, and that they struggle with that. And, and so I want you to know that I, because I don't ever want you to feel unloved by a man, uh, it's very natural for me to love on you and hug on you and everything else. So it's just been fun having these conversations with these girls as they're going through their teen years. I mean, that was another thing that people would tell me that, oh, once your daughter, you know, once they get to a certain age, you're gonna pull away from you. And I've never felt that with any of my daughters. Um, and it's been really fun. And uh, I just, I love my kids so much. And it's so fun to now be a grandfather and still have my oldest daughter, you know, whenever I share something with her, she's like, wow, dad, I still need you. You still have so much wisdom, you know, and I still get cards and texts and everything else, you know, it's, it's never changed. Like it's, it's always been like that. And in every phase of their life, it's just been like this intimacy because I remember when we first had a, our first child, someone told me about, he says, you know, you've got a little girl, what a gift. And they said, she's going to marry a guy who's just like you. And that was a, a scary thought because you love this child so much that you go, well, then I need to become that man that I would want her to marry. And, and, and they explained to me that, that her picture of God is gonna be impacted by their view of you. And so I thought, wow, I represent God to these kids. So that's why from young age on, they respect me. I discipline them. I punish them because I want them to understand that this is the picture of God, a God who disciplines the ones that he loves. I forgive them quickly, I embrace them, I am affectionate with them because I wanna show them a dad who is like God, who loves me, who wants me to call out Abba Father, who does forgive me, and I know his love is unconditional. Like, I wanna show that to my children. And it's, it's all of things, that's why it's gotta be about God first. And uh, one last thought, and I know we have to go, time's up, is <clears throat> a few years ago, we adopted a girl out of the foster system. Um, she was a teenager and uh, just came from a really messed up background. And <clears throat> the social worker came over one night because her, uh, the girl that was living with us, her sister was, you know, dating guys from gangs and stuff like that, dating, I mean, sleeping around with gangsters. And, uh, and then there were threats against our family for taking in the little girl, like they were saying they were gonna shoot up the house. And so the social worker was like, looked at us and saying, so how much longer 
can she stay with you knowing that some of these threats could be real? And I remember just looking at this girl and going, honey, I, you can live with us as long as you want. I'm not afraid. I want you to be my daughter. I'll treat you like I treat my other daughters. You see how I treat those girls? That's the way I would treat you. I want you here. And to see her eyes light up. And even for me, I was like surprised. Like this just effortly came out of my mouth. Like, I want you. You're my daughter. If, if you'll take me, you know? And realizing, wow. Lord, that's the way you are to me. You're a father to the fatherless, and now it's coming out of my mouth. I'm really becoming like you. Like, that's the joy of what I was talking about this morning when we're children of God. These things come through because we have the seed of God implanted in us. It's, and, and I would just, yeah, amen. I, none of this would have happened on my own. It's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God inside of us that brings us into conformity with Christ. And it's when you become that man or woman of Christ that you become a blessing to each other and to your children and to your neighborhood and to the world. And so please get right whatever you need to get right. Those of you in immoral relationships, get out of there. Those of you that are battling unforgiveness with your spouse, like, like, like Matthew 6 says, if you don't forgive your brother from the heart, God will not forgive you. That's huge. That should be terrifying to you. Let's repent of these things that the Spirit of God can flow through our families and our families can be a light into the world again. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Crazy Love Podcast. We hope these teachings have been a blessing to you and helped you see marriage in a whole new way. If you'd like to pick up a copy of Francis and Lisa's book, You and Me Forever, Marriage in Light of Eternity, you can find it at crazylove.org. Thank you again for listening and join us next week for the Crazy Love Podcast.